Welcome back, everyone, to this episode of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with my co-host, David and Matt. We're going to have some housekeeping news with managers and a potential extension. We'll do a wildcard breakdown and then some division series predictions. But before we get into all that, how you doing, David? Doing all right. Birthday's tomorrow. We'll have to uh, enjoy the day off from the podcast but uh, and enjoy some playoff baseball. But uh, for now, you know, it was an exciting weekend. Um, baseball front, football front, it's all in full swing right now. Just a lot of, a lot of sports going on. Uh, what about you, Matt? How you doing? I'm doing great. Um, just, um, had a good, uh, you know, good couple weeks watching some baseball, um, enjoying, uh, you know, enjoying not having to play in the wild card round this weekend. Um, that was nice. Um, you know, watching those games, a lot, a lot more fun when you're not stressed out, um, but uh, yeah, I mean everything's great. Uh, looking forward next next week. I won't be here. I'm going to go to the beach next week, so that'll be fun. But um, I'll be watching some baseball. Super excited for the division series. So it's gonna be it's gonna be great. Yeah, it'll be uh, it's gonna be some really fun baseball. We had a lot of fun baseball that we'll break down here. Uh, but before we jump to the actual on field uh, happenings, we have some quick uh, quick housekeeping news with the manager news that happened this week. Mike Matheny uh, was officially. Uh, announced as being out of his managerial role of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, and then with the Angels, Phil Nevin signed a one-year extension. He was the interim manager that took over this year. Uh, and with uh, they're going to basically take that interim tag away. Um, with the uh, Angels in a potential sale mode, it sort of makes sense to them to sign Nevin to a one-year deal so the next ownership doesn't have a, uh, uh, you know, a lame duck manager. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I guess I can start with Matheny. Um, yikes. <laughs> he was bad, and he was bad in St. Louis. And I was not surprised when the Royals added him because of the way the Royals are, but the Royals are probably going to start to change the way that they're thinking in their front office now a little bit, and Matheny doesn't fit into what they're going to do. So uh, not surprised at all about that one. So Rob Thompson deserves that job in Philly. He just won a wild card yep. series for, for the Phillies, and – uh, I think they definitely started playing better once Girardi was kind of kicked out. And I think you're going to see kind of a, a trend on this. I mean, these are three kind of old school managers and Joe Madden, uh, uh, Joe Girardi and Mike Matheny getting kind of ousted for the younger, uh, you know, player centric talent that, you know, the Phil Nevin for the Angels is also really you know young. He's in the 40 in his 40s. He's been around forever. Um, I mean, I can remember when I was a kid, he was playing on the Padres. So um you know, th- these guys have, have kind of earned their spots. And I like that these teams are going with the, the incumbent guy. Um, it's a it's a good move, in my opinion, because it seemed like the Phillies took a big step forward. And the Angels definitely took a little step forward. Uh, they certainly righted the ship after losing all those games in the, the early spring. So um, good moves for these guys. And, and the manager situation for both of those teams is a lot more clear going into maybe a sell period for the Angels and a buy period this offseason for the Phillies. Yeah, I do have one comment on on Nevin too. In that, I do feel like he, while he is a little bit younger, I think he, I looked it up. He's I think he's fifty one, so he's not he's not an old manager, but he is a very old school type manager. He's more like a Girardi or or uh, somebody. I, I mean, I don't I don't know what kind of school Joe Madden is, but uh, Phil Nevin's a lot different from Joe Madden. But he's a, he is a more old school style manager, so. You know, I don't know what that's going to do for the Angels, but you know, it's definitely a change, and and they need a change in 
in a positive direction. And I do think he helped with them a little bit this year. So we'll see what happens with him going forward. But uh, kind of interesting, interesting moves there. So. Yeah, and, and we'll go ahead and jump to the wild card spot because I didn't even mention Rob Thompson there um, signing his extension, but we'll go ahead and jump to his Philadelphia Phillies against the uh, St. Louis Cardinals in their series, winning the first two games, eliminating the St. Louis Cardinals, ending the careers of Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and potentially Adam Wainwright. We're still not sure on that that front, but Rob Thompson and the Phillies uh, sweeping the Cardinals in St. Louis for the wild card series. And they did it, you know, with that with kind of the inverse devil magic. We all thought, uh, or at least um, me and Matt thought that the the Cardinals would be, you know, able to find a way uh, to kind of sneak their way through the series. But the Phillies, you know, came to play in that second game. In that first game, they were down 2-0 in the ninth inning. And the, the Cardinals rallied, or the Phillies rallied. The Cardinals made key errors by, you know, one by MVP candidate Nolan Arenado. Uh, just kind of crazy, but... Tell me, I'm just not surprised that a team that started Jose Quintana and Miles Michaelis in, you know, the playoff series didn't win. Um, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler were really good. And, uh, yeah, Philly's moving on. I, I'm not surprised by that because I did say I just kind of picked the Cardinals because I wanted them to lose. But it's good to see the devil magic get swept out of there. Yeah, I think um... – I honestly don't think the starting pitching was St. Louis' problem. I mean, Quintana was pitching a gem in game one, and they pulled him early. And I think Michaelis wasn't pitching too bad. I mean, he didn't have the best game ever, but he wasn't pitching bad. So I really didn't think the pitching was their problem. I thought that the problem was their stars that we we thought all along, like their stars are going to are gonna hit. It's just a matter of if, are they going to be able to pitch enough. Their stars didn't perform. Nolan Arenado, in his postseason career now, he's he's been in – um, you know he's he's had 33 plate appearances in the post or at bats in the postseason now, and he is five for 33 in his career. He had you know he had two, five games when he was with Colorado, and this was his third game with St, three games with St. Louis. In this series, he hit you know he was one for eight in the series, and Paul Goldschmidt wasn't much better. He was I think Paul Goldschmidt actually might have been worse. So it's you know your stars didn't hit. And that was a problem for them. I mean, their two runs came off a Juan Yepes home run, which was devil magic. I mean, they did have devil magic, but their stars didn't produce. And, uh, you know, it kind of sucks to see that Adam Wainwright never even got a chance to pitch in this series and his last series as a big leaguer, possibly before retirement. And then, uh, you know, Albert Pujols and, uh, you know, Yadier Molina going out in, in a series like this. But, um, you know, it's one of those things too. I mean, you know, the Cardinals, I mean, Yadier Molina this year was not very good. I mean, he had like a 50 WRC plus, and, you know, he came up as the, you know, final out in game one. And in game two, he came up to be the final out. Got He actually got a single. But it's one of those things that's like, man, you know, Yadier Molina, you, you don't really want that guy being the, the guy in the postseason, like when your season's on the line up to, up to bat. I mean, it's just nothing. <laughs> it's just not not great. So uh, you know, but kind of relying on those guys, you know, hurt them. But um, you know, the biggest thing to me was in game one. I mean, Arnado botched a ground ball. Goldschmidt made a bad play on a ground ball where he probably should have just taken the out at first. They ended up scoring the run that would have tied the game after he, you know, gave them more runs by trying to throw the plate. Um, you know, I thought that. Um, but you know, Ryan Helsley being kind of trying to pitch injured and 
not pitching well, walking guys. And I mean, it was just a meltdown from the Cardinals in game one. In game two, they were just, you could tell they just weren't there. The pressure was getting to them. They choked. And the Phillies, I mean, this is their, their recipe was pitch Wheeler and Nola. And if they pitch really well, we'll find a way to score enough runs to win. And, and they did that games one and two. So congrats to the Phillies. It's been a long time coming for them. So it's funny to me, the dynamic here, because Matt is a Braves fan, hates the Phillies. I'm a Cubs fan, hate the Cardinals. And so we both have a little bit of a different uh, a perspective on on this series because of that. But just I looked up Paul Goldschmidt's stats, 0 for 7 with yeah. a hit by pitch and four strikeouts. Just not enough there from uh, from the maybe the NL MVP. Yeah. Yeah, and and for me, it's like when I picked the Phillies, I just trusted the offense more. And it, that's sort of what it came down to is that they were able to find a way. Um, you know, the Cardinals were around the stars. And you guys have mentioned the stars really didn't produce. And they don't have enough depth around the rest of that lineup um, to really, you know, pull themselves out of that. But, you know, moving on, I don't know which series that we're going to go to was more wild out of the next three. Um, I guess we'll go ahead and start with the, the Rays and Guardians um, in game one. Jose Siri hits a, a go-ahead homer, you know, to give the Rays a one-nothing lead. Jose Ramirez hits a two-run homer uh, to end up was the game-winning homer. They won two-one in the first game. Dominant pitching performances from Clanahan and Shane Bieber, and then in game two, that was a, a wild game. It ended up going fifteen innings with fourteen of them being scoreless, and Oscar Gonzalez hitting a walk-off homer against Corey Kluber of all people to send the Guardians onto the division series. Yeah, you know, this series, uh, it didn't go – it went pretty similar to what I was kind of thinking. Um, you know, the Rays – I, I kind of expected it to go to a game three, but it, it, both games were so close it very well could have. It was it, Both these teams were really close. Um, I mean, you know, Cleveland's offense is just not going to hit great pitching. Uh, they're just not quite talented enough. They have a couple good players that can do it, and that's what we saw. I mean, their star hit the home run in game one that won them the game. Game two – I mean, uh, Oscar Gonzalez has been one of their better hitters all year. Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, the pitching was the was the big deal here. I mean, game one, like, I, I was I was praising Shane Bieber last week. And, I mean, nobody's talking about that guy anymore. He had that fantastic short in 2020, and then he was injured part of the year last year. People were saying the sticky stuff was his was why he was doing so good. And but he's come back this year and been the same guy. He's not throwing quite as hard as he was in 2020, but he's – he's been just as effective. And I think that that's something that your people aren't really, you know, paying any attention to. And I guess, cause he's in Cleveland or I don't know, but Shane Bieber is an, an excellent pitcher. McClanahan ended up being fully healthy. That's something I was kind of worried about coming in. And then, I mean, game two, it's kind of the same thing. You got Tristan McKenzie, who's had a great breakout year and, I mean, uh, and and the, and the Cleveland bullpen has just been outstanding. And we knew the Rays were going to pitch well, but, um, you know, this was two teams that have struggled offensively and pitched really well all year, and it ended up being that way. And I was, um, it was, it was very, uh, very entertaining to, to watch some good pitching in this series. And uh, man, 15 inning game, uh, we haven't seen much of that this year with the, with the with Manfred Ball being extra innings. But um, you know, that was um, you know one to nothing in 15 innings. I, I don't think that's the first time that's ever happened. So um, you know, hats off to the hats off to the Guardians of being like insanely good at pitching this series yeah, yeah and one thing I, we didn't mention oh, sorry ahead, david. david i just i just realized one thing we didn't mention is you you mentioned the manford ball there in postseason there's no ghost runner yeah, at exactly, second base yeah. 
So uh, that was all natural baseball from then. But go ahead, David. No, yeah, I was so I was looking up a stat for this one because I'm the only one who picked the race, and I was kind of like, well, look, the the this game this series was really close, right? That you know. The, the Rays were a slightly better offense by WRC plus alone um, in this season. Had a but the, the Cleveland team had a higher average. What I was looking at was the Guardians have a 129 isolated power this season. Isolated power is slugging minus batting average. Just how much how many of your hits are extra base hits, basically. And the, the as a team, Cleveland was 28th in isolated power. I would not have expected this series to result only in runs via Cleveland home runs on their their offensive side, right? I this is the kind of series they I would have expected them to lose. Was they only hit two home runs? That's all the home run, the runs they get. But the pitching was so good, the bullpen was great, and Cleveland's bullpen is one of the best bullpens um, in the in the country. I think the rest of the way, you know, you've got guys like Eli Morgan, James Karen Shack. I mean, they were number four by war this year. Emmanuel Classe, Trevor Steffen, a lot of really talented arms, hard throwers, guys who are going to get those ground balls. You know, I'm not surprised that they shut the Rays down. I just would have thought the Rays, you know, kind of were going to counter shut down the, the Indians or Guardians a little more. Didn't happen, man. The the the, the pitching for the the Guardians was absolutely electric, and uh, you know now they've got to go and and shut down the Yankees. So it's it's going to be a lot tougher for the Rays. Their model just doesn't seem to be resulting in playoff success. You know they made the one World Series, but it's it's really tough to to constantly have to turn over your team year after year and rely on unproven players. Yeah. One uh one note in this series too that I think is. Not too many people have talked about this series just because of the being the Rays and the Guardians. There weren't quite as many storylines because the others had, you know, the Pujols story and then the the Mets story and then the, the Mariners being in the playoffs for the first time in forever. This series got overlooked a lot, but Randy Rosarina had been just a playoff, insane playoff player like in the past. And in this series, he was one for nine with five strikeouts. So I think that really hurt the Rays. They needed him to have a big series with him being the insane playoff guy he has been and he just didn't so yeah and they didn't have brandon lau that's another yeah, oh yeah i mean they, they're ravaged by injuries too i mean no brandon lau yeah. i mean i know that i know that wander franco played he also went one for nine but uh you know wander franco has been battling a hamate bone he had surgery earlier this year and he's you know just hadn't been fully back to normal yet so uh the offseason is going to help the raise i mean they're guys that you know you talk about their guys they don't have I mean, their guys have been banged up all year. They're proven playoff players, like like you know, Wander Franco, who did play, but you know he's banged up, and and then you know Brandon Lau, like that's that's their guys, and they just you know weren't healthy. So maybe next year with the healthy Rays team, they can get back there, but we'll see. Shout out to Tyler Glass now before we move on to oh what absolutely a, what a performance yeah. five innings coming off of the injury only got six point two innings in the regular season. Came out there and gave Tampa a shot to win that game. So I cannot uh, wait to huge. see him. Cannot wait to see him and Glass and uh, McClanahan head up a rotation next year. It's going to be insane. It's going to be really fun to watch. Uh, but now moving on, we're going to jump over to the other uh, AL series we had, which was the Seattle Mariners versus the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, game one, Mariners jump on Alec Manoa for three runs in the first, uh, and then. 
I guess the story of the rest of that game was just Luis Castillo looking like an absolute monster. Um, and then probably the most fun game we've seen in the, in the playoffs in recent history, I would say, is, is that game two where Toronto was leading, what was it, eight to one at one point. Uh, mm-hmm. Seattle scores four in the, uh, in the sixth to make it eight five. Toronto scores another one in the bottom of the seventh to make it nine five. And then the uh, Mariners score four more in the eighth and one in the ninth to end up winning that 10 nine and sweeping the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. What a yeah, crazy um, series. Like, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna it, start. I was, I was gonna say, go ahead, David, you, you can go. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna alternate, but it, it, it went just like how I said, right? The Robbie Ray got lit up. I, I knew that was coming, but the, the Blue Jays bullpen absolutely blowing it. And, you know, with the, the collision in center field in that second game, just everything broke so poorly for the Blue Jays and so well for the Mariners, man. That was, that second game was, you know, one of those, one of those we'll look back on in years and be like, remember that comeback, the eight to one comeback, you know, the way you look back at the, the 2004 Red Sox coming back, you know, the 2016 Cubs, bunch of you know, those this is one of those comebacks where that team was down and out gonna have to play game three you know and man the mariners dude they they finally make it to the postseason and they win a series and of course now they get to play face the astros so not the best but huge performance from luis castillo um you know jp crawford had the big hit uh you know cal raleigh was amazing again guy has absolutely turned it on here lately Mariners, you know, it's it's going to be tough to pick against them, even though it's the Astros, just because the Mariners feel like, you know, that team, you know what I mean? Yeah, and like I said, I mean, that's kind of my, that was kind of my call going into this series was just that the the Mariners were like, I felt like they were it, you know, I just, for whatever reason, and you know, I'm a big numbers guy. I mean, most of the time when I'm looking at baseball, I'm talking about numbers and using stats and everything, but just for whatever reason, it feels like the Mariners just you know, they, they have something about them this year that, uh, I don't know at some point they won't, I don't think they're going to be able to overcome it, but, um, but yeah, I, I will say that I think that, um, you know, when it comes to Toronto, I think that Alec Manoa was not the right p- p- guy to pitch in game one. I felt like Gossman hmm. has been the guy all year and he's the guy that needed to set the tone. Um, you know, he's obviously, you know, he had a 238 FIP on the season. He had six wins above replacement. Like I know he had a 335 ERA, but Manoa had been pretty unlu- pretty lucky all year on balls in play. So I just I felt like Gossman was kind of the guy. He's been there. He pitched in the postseason a lot last year. Manoa's a young guy, and man, getting off to that start in game one, pitching Manoa, he struggled in the first inning. He was, he was a little too hyped up. You know, gave left some pitches over the plate, gave up the home run to Kyle Rally. You know, it just it just felt like that was not the the, the right guy to throw, and um, you know, you look at uh, you look at that game too, and I mean, it just you know everything kind of broke wrong. I was listening to to a, a podcast earlier; they were talking about how you know if if Toronto that game one was so important because if if the Blue Jays had won game one, there is no chance in hell the Mariners come back in game two when they get down big. Like they just they would have they would just been broken. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's just something about the, you know, having won that game one and, you know, having to force game three. And the, I mean, uh, and honestly, Toronto, I mean, they were overthinking things. Pretty sure they pulled Gossman like really early. And um, he went five and two thirds and, and gave five it four. And, yeah, didn't they, yeah, didn't they was... pull him like with, with a 
a couple guys own and they, the bullpen came up and gave up the runs or something, but he, I don't he, know. He was over a hundred pitches when they pulled him. Yeah. Um, Miza came in and did give up one, but then it was, it was later in the next inning when Anthony Bass came in and gave up three. Yeah. Well, my, Miza gave up a home run to, to Santana. Right. And then that was like three runs. So two of yeah. them were to Gossman. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was, a uh, you know, I thought that, you know, maybe you let Gossman finish that inning, but, um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, you can second guess yourself as much as you want to. If they had left Gossman in and he had given up a home run himself, then people would have been saying he left him in too long. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would have pitched Gossman game one and, and maybe Manoa game two, uh, you know. But, yeah, I, I mean, Toronto, I mean, it's, you know, they didn't do enough in the bullpen this year. Um, they didn't bring in enough guys. I thought that Jordan Romano had a good year, but, like, you really needed more guys in that bullpen. So maybe next year, looking forward to them, they'll do that a little bit more. But um, but what a series! And and hats off to the Mariners. That that was that that comeback was insane. So uh, good for them. And and um, you know I think the Mariners they're going to be a pretty tough out for the Astros. They're pretty familiar with each other. And you know I worry a little bit about the Mariners pitching. But I will say that with the fact that the Mariners didn't have to play a third game, being able to start Logan Gilbert in game one is a big deal. Because I think that means they can get Gilbert, then go back to Castillo in game two, which is very good for them. So we'll see what we'll see what they're able to do. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait for Seattle's home playoff game if when it gets yeah. there. Like that that T Mobile Park is park is gonna be one of the loudest stadiums we'll have seen. Um but jumping over to, you know, the the one series that went three games, and that was the uh, San Diego Padres versus the New York Mets. Uh, game one, the Padres jump all over Max Scherzer and score. What was it? I know Grisham got a homer. I think they scored two in the first, and then one in the second, and then four in the fifth, um, just to really put that thing out of reach. It, at that time, it was seven nothing. The Mets were able to score one there, but they just really got nothing going in, in that one. Game two, you know, they got the start from Jacob DeGrom. The Padres actually got a pretty good start from Blake Snell as well. Um, you know, he was a little wild at times. He had six walks, but he was able to limit them to two runs. Martinez came up, gave him a run, and then Maury Hone, they put him in later. He gave up four. Uh, the Mets were able to win game two, seven to three. And then looking at that third game was uh, last night, Joe Musgrove. The absolute story of this seven innings, one hit five strikeouts, just absolutely dominated that. I mean, they were calling for substance check on his ear at one point. The Mets were just trying to get some momentum. Um, and then, you know, in that game, the the Padres jumped right over Chris Bassett early on in the game. Yeah, um, <laughs> this series was uh, pretty crazy. Um, you know, game one, I mean, the, the Padres did the same thing to Scherzer that had happened when they faced off the, the Braves and uh, the week before in a must-win game. And um, it's like Scherzer's had some moments over the past several years in the postseason where he's been a little bit not as dominant as regular. See, I won't say he's been bad because he hasn't been bad in the postseason, but, I mean, he has a career 360 ERA in the postseason, which compared to his 311 in the regular season is, is a much higher. Obviously, you're playing better teams in the postseason, so that that's part of it too. But um, – you know, it, last year you had the whole dead arm thing. This year you had the oblique injuries twice that, 
if you know when you build your team out of you know 36 37 year old free agents who might still be fantastic pitchers like Max Scherzer had a fantastic year but you know you're you're put yourself vulnerable to stuff like this and I don't know if he was fully 100% you know late in the season into the postseason and you know he got victimized by the home run ball in the in into the regular season and the, early in the postseason here and that's what happened in game one I mean um, you know, you look at the, uh, the Padres, um, you know, they had you Darvish pitched well, and I, I don't know if the Mets were going to win that game, even if Scherzer pitched to Jim, but, uh, then game two, I mean, uh, I think the Padres walked like 12 guys or something in game two, but, um, you know, the, the Mets were able to kind of use their approach that had been kind of their calling card this year. They don't give up at bats. They walk a lot. They put the ball in play. They were able to use that against Blake Snell and the bullpen. Marejan really got lit up in game two. Uh, they were able to use that to their advantage. And in game three, I mean, um, Chris Bassett has just seemed, you know, this happened in last week's game two. He just kind of lost it. And I just don't think he's that guy. Like, he's a good pitcher, but – you know, I don't know if he's like a postseason killer. And, um, you know, Musgrove is a great pitcher, though. And I was surprised that he didn't pitch game one or two when when the when they released the, the schedule. I guess maybe because he had to pitch late in the season to clinch their spot. But uh, I was surprised that he didn't pitch game one or two. But he, he had a great, you know, finish to, to game uh, game three. And uh, I tell you what, I was not happy about Buck Showalter asking for that substance check because, you know what, you need to be if if you're going to ask for that, they need to make they need to change some rules on that because all he he, he knew that he wasn't using a substance. He just wanted to throw the pitcher off, and they don't need to be abusing that rule that was put in place to make it fair to so the pitchers weren't using foreign substances. They don't need to be abusing that to try to throw the pitcher off and get an advantage on them. In fact, you know it's kind of ironic about this series, but um, but you know the the Mets did the same thing. I mean, not the Mets. The, uh, Scherzer had the same thing done to him a couple years ago by Girardi, and they had that big issue. So, like, I, I think that's kind of ridiculous if you ask me. That Buck Showalter's out there trying to do that, and then I mean the whole game three too. Like, I mean, how how are you? And and I mean this is probably part of me, the Braves fan talking. But how do you not sell out game three of a postseason series too? Like. They didn't sell out game an elimination game in the postseason on a Sunday. Like I, I just I don't know that that's kind of that was surprising to me. But anyways, um, you know obviously for the Mets you won 101 games. They had a good season, but um, you know the Padres nobody's really given too much credit to the Padres. I want to give them a little bit of credit. They they did they did great in this series. They had a plan. They came in and they you know hit the one of the best pitchers in baseball in game one. And they hit DeGrom, too. They scored two runs off of him. I mean, that's pretty good for facing DeGrom. And then they came out in game three and just porched Bassett and the, and the Mets and uh, ended the team's 100-win season. So good for the Padres, and it'll be interesting to see them move on. So so just to wrap up on your couple of things there, the, the reason they didn't pitch Musgrove in game two is because they were hoping to save him for the first game of the gotcha. next series. Um, since they had won game one, if, if they had lost game yeah. One Musgrove was going to go into uh, for that one, and the whole thing, the substance check was, I, I, it was going around Twitter. So I'm sure Buck Walter and them found out some way. There was a picture of Musgrove's ear that looked like it had some substance on it that uh, was floating around. So I'm sure somebody from the front office or somebody with the Mets organization saw that and then relayed that down there. That's why they specifically went out there and checked his yeah. ear is because there was a photo that they showed 
that like the broadcast showed of his ear being extremely shiny. Um, so, I mean, part of it was probably still to throw him off, but there was some reason of it wasn't just that yeah. he was just doing that at that point. There was a little bit of evidence at least to say that they should check for that. Um, but go ahead, David, to, to talk in your, on the series. I, the other thing I saw was that Andrew McCutcheon said it was a, a thing called red hot, kind of like an icy hot type substance that isn't sticky or anything, but it burns your ears and gives you a little like extra adrenaline because it's it's bugging you and it gives you know it kind of it activates your brain, keeps you focused. Um, the old but, Jake PV method. Yeah, like so I don't it's know. Like, it's, it's like smelling salts. Yeah, like I think I think Musgrove is probably the type of guy to use something like that too. He's very. Uh, He's very hot-headed, kind of a aggressive guy. One of those, what, what do you call him? Like a Scherzer maniac on the mound is Musgrove, and it's good to see him and him and you Darvish really excelling in this series. Those two guys are are really you know awesome pitchers and well deserving of the of the the titles that they're they're getting, the accolades they're going to be getting the rest of the season and, and the contracts they're on. But uh, man, I I tell you what, I I told you about the Mets, man. They are it, Steve Cohen bought this team. Spent a lot of money in in the off season. They they were the off season winners. All you know, all that they spent all, you know, on Starling Marte, who didn't play in the series. You know, he Mark did. Canna. He did. Um, oh, he did. Mark, he was back. Yeah, yeah, Marte, yeah Marte, was Marte played. Wow, he was their best and, hitter, I think. Never mind. He had a splint on his finger, and he was grimacing yeah, every swing, but he played. Alrighty then. Well, Kim Marte was great this year too, for what it's worth. But you know, you get into the. The offseason, they, they win the offseason, right? And they, they, you know, they sign Scherzer and all this. And then they come to the trade deadline and they're in a battle. You know, they're, they're a couple games up, you know, five, six games up. But that's that's dropped from from June. And the Mets said, nah, we're good. You know, they, they didn't want to trade with anybody. They didn't give up any prospects. They got Darren Ruff, who was terrible in the in the regular season. And now we come down to the, the end of it and you don't have enough hitting. They One hit in the final game for the Mets lineup. They, they didn't have any... Any offense. And remember when they traded Darren Ruff, remember who they traded? They traded a big leaguer for him and J.D. Davis. Yeah. And I'm and pretty sure J.D. Davis, yeah. Like, and I'd said at the time, I was like, why are you doing this? You're just trading Darren Ruff for another Darren Ruff. like, Or you're trading right. J.D. Davis for, you know, another J.D. Davis. And I mean, J.D. Davis, when he was with the Mets this year, was good as, at the plate. He had an above average hitter mm. and then – and uh, I mean, he wasn't great, but he had a 102 yeah, WRC yeah, plus yeah. with the Mets, and then you know, with the Giants, he had a 142. Of course, it was Babbitt baited, but still, I mean, he, you know, he's every bit as good as a player as Darren Ruff is. I mean, and that's not a slide on Darren Ruff. I mean, I think they're both perfectly fine DH type players, but like, I don't, I never understood that trade, and it seems like it kind of bit them too, but. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and, and I will say one thing about the Mets, and and you know, I'm a Braves fan, and I'm, I, I will say one thing: the Mets won 101 games. I mean, let's not act like they weren't like a top three team in the NL. And I mean, you play a three game series after winning 101 games. If they were in the NL Central, they would have won 110 games. I mean, it's like they were a really good team. They lost to the defending world champions, who are really good too, by one game or or in a tie technically, and then. You know, they weren't as good as the Dodgers, obviously, but like they, I mean, it, you know, I, there's not a ton more they could have done. I mean, maybe they could have found, maybe they could have made a trade at the deadline, but another trade, but it's not like there's, I mean, I don't know. Like they had a great team this year. Part of it's just, 
you know, when you are in a division with another great team and you end up just, just barely missing out on the winning the division and you get stuck playing a three game series against another really good team. It's like, that's tough. So, uh, I will say that about the Mets, you know, it's, it's a lot of unfortunate business for them too. So that's the thing, right though, is that it was so close. They were a player away, right? If, if you take Darren Ruff and make him Wilson Contreras or some equivalent, you know, hitter uh, that is not a, you know, is above league average and plays a, you know, a decent defensive position, they are, you know, probably a game or two ahead of the Braves and then they're in the bye. And then they're, they're yeah. you know, that, that's the kind of thing that mattered in July, but they were up. They were up on the Braves by a lot. And the, the Braves yeah. played, you know, 700 baseball for the whole second half. Yeah. And, and obviously you can't control that, but you have to stay ahead. You have to be aggressive when you have the opportunity. And the, this Mets team was probably the best Mets team of this little window that they're going to have. Right. No I mean, DeGrom's a, DeGrom's a free agent this year. Edwin um, Diaz. Yeah. Demo. Diaz is a free Demo. agent this year. Um, so Trevor how Mays much longer? Free agent, even though he had a rough year, he had a, about a lot of injury, but yeah. How much long, you know, and, and they've got Francisco Alvarez coming up who who looks like a, a pretty competent guy at age 20 um, who can probably lock down catcher for him. But, man, it, it just seem, feels like a, a missed opportunity for the Mets, especially when you win 100 games, you know. And I, that's that's my thing. It's that I think the Mets were complacent in the middle of the season, and it cost them here in October um, where we're seeing things that happened in June and July come back to bite them. And it's like what Pete Alonso said. I mean, they got swept by the Cubs like two weeks before the season yeah. ended and, and that allowed the Braves to pass them. And then they lost two, all three of the Braves or two of three to the Braves. And they lost all three. There it is. They, they, yeah, all they had to do was win one game yep. and they got swept and they had Scherzer and DeGrom on the mound and two of them. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, the Mets had their opportunities not, not to take anything away from the Padres, but it, it feels like the Mets gave this up. On, on all the fronts. Um, just to mention, Manny Machado, MVP-level season, continues on in the postseason. Hope he does great. You know, yeah. Cronenworth's good. Haseon Kim worth, was really good this year. Padres are going to be fun. It's you, you worth noting. To talk on, about them. I was going to say, it's worth noting on Machado that he did seem kind of banged up at the end of the game yesterday. Like, he kind of had an awkward swing and was favoring his leg a little bit. And um, I don't know. If, I, I haven't heard anything about him not being healthy, but... He didn't seem fully like 100% at the end of the game. So hopefully he's not hurt, but that was something kind of noticed. So, Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see how he responds uh, on Tuesday. But let's go ahead and jump over to the division series uh, that we're going to have starting tomorrow. Uh, going to have four games, but we'll go ahead and start with the Phillies and the Braves series. Uh, and, and I know, Matt, where you're going on this one. So give us a little breakdown and then your uh, your prediction. Yeah, so uh, with the Phillies and the Braves, um, I think that it, it's this is going to be a really interesting series. Obviously, these teams are very familiar with each other. Uh, the Braves went 11 and 8 against the Phillies this year, so it was actually a pretty pretty tight uh, this year. Um, you know, games one and two are going to be in Atlanta. Um, you know, one thing that the Phillies don't have is a lot of rotation depth. They have their top two guys, so I think one of the things that kind of hurts the Phillies is the fact that you know Wheeler and Nola both had to pitch in the wild card rounds they're not going to be available for game one and i think game two okay wheeler apparently wheeler is going to be ready for game two so uh you know ranger suarez is going to pitch game one for him and ranger suarez had a good year too 
But, uh, you know, the Braves have Max Freed lined up. Uh, I think a few of the keys to this series are going to be the Braves are going to have to do a good job working counts on Nola and Wheeler because I still think the Phillies' bullpen, I know they've been a little bit better this year than they have been in the past, but I still think their bullpen is very vulnerable. And, uh, you know, and, and then and then for the Braves to be able to, um, you know, the, and, and for the bullpen, the, the Braves' bullpen to kind of shut them down and, 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 and do the same thing they did last year but uh, in, in the postseason. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you look at you look at the matchups and, you know, the Phillies really need to take, you know, take game one or two in Atlanta because I think you're kind of banking – if you're the Phillies, you're banking on Nola and Wheeler winning their games if you're going to win the series. You have to have Wheeler and Nola win their games and then try to find a way to win one other game, like if you're the Phillies. And if you're the Braves, you take care of business in game one and then – you know, obviously, you'd like to take one or one or one of the two games against Wheeler and Nola, but um, you know, you still you're probably only gonna have to face each of those guys one time. So you're not gonna have to beat them. You'd obviously it's, it makes it a lot easier if you beat one of those guys, but you don't really have to. Um, but uh, you know, I think uh, one other thing too, and we'll talk about it, talk about this guy a little bit more. But Spencer Strider, um, you know, he's been out for the last couple weeks of the regular season with a, uh, I think it's a lat strain, a slight, it wasn't a real bad injury, but he, uh, he sounds like he's going to pitch, but we don't know how much. So I think they're still playing it day by day on how much he's going to be able to pitch, but uh, games one and two will probably be freed, right? And then, you know, depending on, depends on Strider for game three. Like if you get Charlie Morton for game three, if, if Strider's not really ready, uh, part of it probably depends on, where the series is at too. If you're down 0-2, you might just throw out Strider and get what you can out of him. But uh, Charlie Morton's kind of struggled down the stretch, so that'll be interesting to look at. But um, this is gonna be a really interesting series, and um, I think that my pick would probably be the Braves in four. I think that the Braves win Game One, and then they split when Nola and Wheeler face each other, uh, face the Braves. I think they'll they'll split. The Braves will split those two games, and then the Braves will win a Game Four. So I think that's going to be my pick there. But I would not be shocked if the Phillies come in and are able to to win this series because the Phillies do have a really good lineup. And there's a scenario where if Strider doesn't pitch, the Braves run out Charlie Morton, who's struggled down the stretch, and then have like a bullpen game in game four. And all the Phillies really need to do is win their guy is, is win their guys their top two guys starts and then pick off a bullpen game or something. So I could see a scenario where the where the Phillies win for sure. Uh, this is gonna be a lot tighter series than people really are probably gonna expect it to be. So, but I, I am gonna take the Braves in this one. I'll also mention that Spencer Strider just picked up a. Uh... A six-year, $75 million extension from the Braves, which is going to just pay him through his arbitration years, it, basically. It, uh, it it, it, out, it's got out a club option, and it buys out a free agent year with the six years, and then the club option is a seventh year. So there you go. it buys out two free agent years. Yeah, which is which is good. I think that's a ideal for a young player to get locked up, especially one with a volatile pitching you know, repertoire and Spencer Strider throws a hundred miles an hour. Um, you know, you take the guaranteed money now. I mean, he's been pitching lights out this season. I wager he'll get used like a, a pitching weapon, you know, like kind of the way the Braves were using their guys last year, you know, the three inning, uh, you know, one time through the order. And then they try to use him more than once in the series um, would be my guess where they kind of try to keep the pitches down, but use him a good bit anyway. 
and if that's the case, I think the Braves won't have too much trouble with the Phillies. But the difference maker is going to be whether or not I think Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber can get some home runs off of that Braves starting pitching. Um, if the, the Bryce Harper put the Phillies out ahead in that St. Louis game and it put all the pressure on St. Louis, those two are going to have to catalyze the Phillies offense. Shoot, no, you know, no better guys to do it than those two, but uh, in a in a increasingly home run centric offensive postseason, you know, set of baseball, you know, games, Bryce Harper and, and Kyle Schwarber are going to be the key factors, I think, for Philadelphia. Whereas, you know, the Braves' whole entire offense can kind of hit those home runs. They haven't really had one guy um, being the you know the power bat. As it were, they just had a bunch of, you know, Austin Riley, Dansby Swanson, Matt Olson. They're all very capable of hitting home runs at any point. Philly lineup kind of runs through those two big lefties. So I'm looking for, for those two. If they don't get going, this is going to be a quick series. If they get off and, and start hitting some home runs, I think the Phillies are going to hang around. My pick's probably going to be the Braves. Just I think they're a better team. Um, they're going to play better defense. They, you know, Dansby Swanson's probably a gold glove shortstop. You know, Michael Harris is a gold glove center fielder. They got Matt Olson might be a gold glove first baseman, if not for the existence of the former Brave that he replaced. It's just it's just a better team, I think. But in in five games, anything can happen. We saw that with the Padres beating the Mets. So, um, you know, don't don't count the Phillies out. They're going to they're going to have to get big offense. Yeah, yeah it's what's going to have to happen. One other one other note in the series that I was you know we we're talking about the pitching and stuff. I mean, you look at the bullpens. I mean, the Braves have three mm-hmm. closers. Rizal Iglesias right. since the trade in Jul- July has given up two runs as a Brave in like thirty mm-hmm. innings. I mean, they wow. Jansen who's back on his on his horse. Minter's been fantastic this year. And then you got I mean the Phillies were closing out games in the in the wild card with Zach Eflin. So I mean I. You know, just kind of throw into perspective. I know the Phillies have a couple other guys too, David Robertson and uh, you know uh, Alvarado and stuff. But I'm just you know j- just kind of get, put in perspective the difference in the bullpens here. I think that's going to be a big deal. So because because in, you know in postseason baseball, it's a lot of it's become about the bullpens now. So yeah, it, it, and that's the clear advantage Atlanta has is the consistency in the bullpen, the ability to throw out you know. Colin McHugh, AJ Minter, Iglesias, Jansen. I mean, and that's just the, you know the first four you can name right there. Where Alvarado for the Phillies has been hit or miss. You know, Knable for them has been hit or miss. Um, Robinson has been pretty solid, but you just never know. Um, you know, if if he's going to be hit or miss there. And overall, Atlanta is just a much better offensive team. I mean, I like Bryce Harper and I like Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos, but Atlanta from, I mean, you got Michael Harris, Acuna, Olsen, I mean, Dansby, Austin Riley. They're just so, so balanced through that entire lineup. Any one of those can impact and win you a game right away, pretty much. Um, And and I'm also going to go with Atlanta here. I think it's going to be the first time we've all agreed on one pick. Um, But I, I mean, the Phillies are a good team. They are. I mean, I picked them to beat the Cardinals. I, I like them in this series. I think it's going to go to a four or five game series, but I just think Atlanta is too strong top to bottom at the end of the day through the rotation, through the bullpen and through the lineup. I just think overall they're a better team. Uh, So I'm going to pick the Braves as well. Uh, 
But moving on to our second series that we're going to have, it's going to be the Seattle Mariners versus the Houston Astros. Another battle of division foes, uh, this time on the American League side. So, David, why don't you go ahead and start with this one and give us your prediction? Yeah, we kind of mentioned the Mariners feel like a team of destiny, don't they? I mean, you know, getting into the postseason on a walk-off home run for the first time since 2001, and you look at that postseason in 2001, they won 116 regular season games and then end up losing. So I'm looking for a, you know, a bit of destiny, I think. You know, you got Logan Gilbert. You're going to see Robbie Ray again. You're going to see Luis Castillo again. Um you're probably going to see Marco Gonzalez in this series. I wonder if, you know, they won't try to get George Kirby back into the rotation or back into a multi-inning role. He closed out game two, um, and he was very, very, very good. So, you know, my my kind of question for the Mariners is going to be, who's that third guy behind Castillo, behind Gilbert? Is Robbie Ray going to be able to get back to that Cy Young form? against a, another pretty righty-heavy Astros lineup featuring, you know, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman. You know, Jordan's a lefty, but he hits everybody. So, you know, Kyle Tucker, you know, can Robbie Ray be effective against them is is maybe the biggest question, I think, of, of this whole series because I think Gilbert can shut him down. I think Castillo will shut him down. It, it's really going to be about that Seattle bullpen. It's going to be about Robbie Ray getting you know getting to those games and getting getting into the bullpen of the Astros um, on the offensive side I just Justin Verlander's about to pitch in the postseason at age 39 you know is he worn out I don't know this this Astros offense is really really scary they're a very very good team they're a number one seed for a reason they won um, 106 games which it's only getting overlooked because the Dodgers won like 111. This is a it would be folly to pick against the Astros. Folly. So I won't do it. I'll pick the Astros. But there's definitely a path for Seattle. It, it's tough. I, I really want to pick Seattle, but Houston's just so good. I I think this one's a five gamer no matter what. Yeah, I I think coming into the series, um I mean, really the only spot that the Mariners can really say that they're as good as the Astros in a specific part of the team is in the starting rotation or, or is in the, well, I'm sorry, is in the bullpen because I don't think either team has a great bullpen. I think the Mariners have a good bullpen. I think the Astros have a good bullpen, but um, you know, and the Mariners are, I think they're really just kind of one pitcher short on the starting pitching side of, of having as good of a postseason rotation as the Astros have. Astros rotation's a lot deeper, but um I mean, you look at – I mean, Logan Gilbert's really good. Castillo's really good. But, I mean, the, the Astros are going to be able to throw out Verlander and then Jordana – I mean, and then uh, – sorry, uh, uh, Framber Valdez, game two, who, who obviously had been up and down a little bit the postseason last year. I mean, he got rocked in the World Series. But in the in the, in the the championship series, I think he threw like eight scoreless innings twice or something. So uh, he's been hit or miss in the playoffs in the past, but he's had a great year. Uh, you know, you got Garcia. You got uh, – McCullers. I mean, the Astros are so deep in their rotation. And then that lineup is just really good. I mean, you talk about having, you know, Altuve, who had a fantastic year that nobody's talking about. Bragman, who had a great second half and had a really good year. Alvarez, Tucker, you know, Jeremy Pena had a good year. I mean, you look at Christian Vasquez is a very experienced 
postseason player who's going to catch for them. Trey Mancini is going to be out there first time in the postseason. I mean, this is a really, really, really good Astros lineup. And I just don't think the Mariners are as deep. I know they got Julio Rodriguez, who is great. I know they've got, you know, uh, they've got Ty France, who's really good. You know, they've, they've got great contributions from Eugenio Suarez. And, you know, they've, 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 they, Cal Riley, they've had some really good players. But I just, I can't imagine the Astros losing this series. I think it'll probably be over. It's hard to pick a sweep. I'll, I'll say Astros in four. But I think that it's going to be really tough for the Mariners to be able to, to beat the Astros in this series. It really is. Especially, especially with the fact that, you know, Robbie Ray, or the, especially with the fact that, you you know, you kind of like, I mean, well, I guess their pitchers will be on regular rest and you can get Gilbert out there twice. But, you know, I, I think that, I think the Astros, they're well rested. I think they're going to win, even though I, I really like this Mariners team. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough series. Um, I think Houston and Seattle have played each other tough for the past couple of years, really. Um, the, this Houston team is so good. I mean, I came into the year and I thought they were going to have their drop off. You know, I thought the loss of Correa would be a much bigger loss. Um, and Pena stepped up and, and, and took over that role. I thought Justin Verlander at age 39 coming off Tommy John surgery, what was he going to look like? Well, he looked like the best Justin Verlander we've ever seen. Um, you know, Framber Valdez took that step. He broke the the record for quality starts, most consecutive quality starts in a season at like 25 or 26. Now uh, you got McCullers back now since August and he's looked really, really good. I think he ended the year on, on four or five straight quality starts as well. Um, you know, your Don, we know what he is an absolute beast. Kyle Tucker. I mean, this, this team, they got Trey Mancini as well, who in Houston just absolutely crushes the ball. This team is so, so good. And yet I still feel like the Mariners have a chance. I still feel like the Mariners are that team this year that are just going to, there's always one team that, that takes that surprise deep postseason run and the resiliency they showed, they jumped on the blue Jays early and then in, in game one and then in game two fighting back from down that much. This team just has that, that magic around them this year. And it's probably stupid to pick them over Houston, but I'm going to do it anyways. I just there's something about this team. There's something about you know having Julio Rodriguez this year, Logan Gilbert, Luis Castillo looks really good. If you're able, if you're willing to throw George Kirby out there, he might even be better in this series than Robbie Ray. Um, but I just there's something about the Seattle team and the fight that they never give up in a game that just makes me want to pick them. So I'm going to pick Seattle over Houston. Yes, yes, I feel it. But let's go ahead and transition on to our other American League matchup, and it's going to be the Cleveland Guardians against the New York Yankees. Yeah, um, I look at this series, and I think, like, the Yankees have so many – they've got such an advantage just in talent in this series. But I tell you, there's something about the Yankees, especially the last few years in the postseason, that you just – it feels like the pressure gets to them. And it might have happened with the Mets a little bit too, that New York pressure. And I just don't feel like they handle it all that well. Like Garrett Cole has been a completely different pitcher in the postseason than he's been in the regular season since he got to New York. Um, and I I, I, I am going to pick the Yankees. I feel like they're going to win. I feel like they're just the deeper, better team. But, man, there's a lot of holes with this team. I mean, you know, there's really not that many guys in their lineup that truly scare you behind Judge. I mean – you know, Rizzo is good, but, like, 
I mean, I, and I know they got some guys, but like, I mean, they're gonna have they're gonna be running out there uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraza. You know, I'm not really scared of Glaber Torres. You know, you look at like their Harrison Bader playing center field. You know, he's he's good. He's a good player, but like, I just and then their bullpen is scary. I mean, they're, they've like they've got like a shell of themselves in their bullpen, and they really struggled in the second half of the season. I know they finished strong, but. I feel like this is going to be a lot more competitive than people think, but the one difference is that the Guardians are not going to be able to pitch Shane Bieber twice because he had to pitch in the in the uh, in the wild card, and I just don't know if their pitching is going to hold up over a five game series. Already having had to throw some of their guys in the wild card, um, you know, Cal Quantrill starting game one, he had a good year. He had a three thirty eight ERA. I still just I just don't know about him against the Yankees at Yankee Stadium in a postseason game. So I think I'm going to pick the Yankees, but I think the series actually goes four or five games. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than, than people might think. So, but I am going to pick the Yankees. Well, you forgot about the Yankees getting their best player back from injury and Matt Carpenter, who out, out WRC plus Aaron judge this year, um, you know, in limited time, obviously, but I, I just, the Yankees lineup is, you know, you, you kind of talked it down, but, Harrison Bader's a really good defensive center fielder, um, and he's going to be replacing Aaron Hicks, who has kind of dropped drastically in his effect in center field. You've got great defense at, at shortstop in Kiner Falefa. You're going to have good defense in left in Benintendi, right? You're going to have good defense at first in Rizzo. Digil may use on the infield. He's always a good defensive player. And you've got Jose Trevino, who ended up being the second, the number two Yankees player in war behind Aaron Judge. Uh, because of his defensive prowess at, at catcher, I like the Yankees to play good fundamental defense in this game in this series uh, because the Cleveland offense is not home run happy. It hits a lot of ground balls. They they do a lot of little base running tactics. Going to have Jose Trevino keeping those guys off base. You're going to have you know Garrett Cole is a home run prone type of pitcher, but this lineup is not the type of lineup that can really hurt him. He's this is the kind of lineup that Garrett Cole can mow through. Um, I, you know, I like the Yankees in this series because of the defense, which is weird to say because you'd think with the lineup that there's a lot of firepower, as Judge with 62 homers, you'd say, oh, it's the it's the offense that's going to carry the Yankees. I think it's the defense that carries the Yankees in this series, uh, which it needs to. I think their pitching is actually probably overall a little bit worse than the Guardians. Um, but Bieber won't be able to start twice. Cole will be able to start twice. I got the Yankees in this one. If I was going to pick a sweep, I think it'd be this one. It's it's going to be tough on the Guardians because their lineup is so slap happy. Um, you know, Miles Straw is not you know the kind of guy who's going to get eaten up by a Harrison Bader in the outfield where he can't get those those little you know pop flies to fall in, um, and, and where he can kind of be a terror on the base pads. And and it's like him up and down that lineup with the exception of Jose Ramirez. So. You know, give me the Yankees in this one. I think, and I think it's their defense that carries them instead of maybe the offense. So, as far as this series is concerned, uh, you know, looking at it, you you come in and you say the Yankees are the team to the the clear team to pick here. And then, if you look into it a little bit more, I think you could talk yourself into the Guardians. We've seen the team. We Eric Garrett Cole, right? He's shown the ability to to get hit in the postseason, to get hit in Yankee Stadium even. When Garrett Cole's not mowing through people, he tends to, to, to 
to give up mistakes. And he tends to try and battle too hard and try and prove himself too much, and he gets hit that way. This Guardians team is, I feel like it's a bad matchup for him because they have a lot of people who don't strike out a lot. I mean, you got Stephen Kwan, Miles Straw, Jose Ramirez. Those are all guys who will fight pitches off, who will make you pitch deep into every at-bat, get your pitch count up high. And I think the real problem here is the Yankees' bullpen. They have so many injuries in there, and now we're having drama with the role. Does Chapman, you know, going to be – he's not even with the team. His Yankees career is over because he didn't show up to a workout and because they weren't going to guarantee him a spot on the, on the postseason roster. They weren't sure yet. So he just said, I'm not coming. And you're losing that guy. You've already lost Britain. You have a lot of other injuries down there as well in that bullpen. I'm just as good as the Cleveland bullpen and in, in starting pitching is. I feel like starting pitch can compete with New York, and I feel like the bullpen is a lot better that they might be able to keep New York at bay. I feel like it might be a, a low scoring series here, and in those games, I just feel like Cleveland has the advantage, and I'm gonna go Cleveland over the Yankees here. I'm. There's just something about I, I trust the bullpen enough with Cleveland and the pitching staff in general to give them a little bit of that edge over the Yankees. Uh, they're going to need Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton to have big series here. Um, and, and that's really what it's going to come down to. But I'm, I'm going to go Cleveland over the Yankees. But let's transition over to our last series we have, and it's another divisional matchup. I mean, three of the four uh you know, series we have in the division series or divisional games. It's going to be the San Diego Padres against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Um, when it comes to this one, I think that, I mean, what the Dodgers are, what, like 13 and five against the Padres this year or something. 14 and, four, 14 and five. Yeah. 14 and five. Yeah. So obviously the Dodgers have dominated the Padres this year. And, um, you know, I think that the, this series would be a lot closer except that the Padres just had to throw their three guys. And honestly, games one and two for the Padres are going to be really, really tough because they're kind of taxed from the weekend. And I guess Darvish will probably be able to start game two. I don't think they've announced. Yeah, they they, have, they have announced Darvish in game two. Yeah. It's Clevenger's Urias, game one. Yeah. I was going to say like Clevenger versus Urias. I mean, uh, anything can happen in baseball, especially in one game, but, I mean, if the, if the Dodgers are going to win game one against Clevenger with Urias, I mean, Clevenger hadn't been health, fully healthy this year. He hadn't had a great year in general, like a 433 ERA. The Dodgers have one of their top guys on the mound, Julio Urias. He's been great. The Dodgers lineup is incredible. You really have to have deep elite pitching to, to have a chance against the Dodgers. And I just don't think the Padres have that depth in their pitching. Like, one thing the Dodgers will do to you, and I've seen it, we've seen it for years, is they'll just run. If, if they don't like the starter they're facing, they'll just run up his pitch count and get him out in the fifth inning. And really the only chance you have against them is if you can run a really deep bullpen out there too. And I just don't think the Padres have that depth in their bullpen. they got a couple really good ones in their bullpen, but I just don't think they have the depth. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I, I'd be shocked if the Dodgers don't win this series. And I mean, I think it'll be – you know, four games that I think that I think the Dodgers will have one game where one of their starters, because there are question marks with Kershaw because of his health in the past and his postseason history. Uh, and then you've got like, you're probably going to end up having to throw Tyler Anderson and, uh, you know, or, or in like a, a Gonsolin who's been hurt a lot in, late in the season. Like, I think one of the Pod Dodgers starters will have a bad outing in a game, but I do think that the Dodgers will 
win the rest of the games. I just I just don't see a way that the Padres are able to, you know, beat the Dodgers in a five game series. It, it's gonna be tough. So, but we'll see what happens. It, it, you know, you never know with these divisional matchups, um, and especially these rivalry games, rivalry matchups and stuff. You just never know. It's baseball, so it'll be an entertaining series to watch. There's a path for the Padres. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, it comes from Manny Machado, uh, you know, really being able to lead that offense and, and those guys being able to hit around Tyler Anderson and then one of Kershaw or Urias and then getting it to an injured Gonsolin and trying to, you know, get through the bullpen. There's a path for the Padres for me, but I, Freddie Freeman had a seven wins above replacement season this year. You know, Mookie Betts and Trey Turner were right behind him in terms of wins above replacement. Will Smith was great again. Uh, you know, I, I just – they've got, like, Trace Thompson coming off the bench, hitting, you know, a ton of home runs. You know, Max Muncy's been good again. Justin Turner was good again. I just don't know that the Padres can shut down the Dodgers for long enough to outscore them. It's going to have to be high scoring, like seven, eight runs by the Padres – in order to even have a chance, I think, in getting seven to eight runs against the Dodgers three times in a span of, you know, five games is it's gonna be really difficult. That's the path. I could see it. They're often the Padres offense is good, but it hasn't been reliable. And you need reliability to beat this Dodgers team because they are very reliable. They will score those five to six runs per game against you. You just you're going to have to find a way to scrape across runs. You're going to need those big home runs from some of those guys. I worry that the Padres are maybe the most exhausted team. They did play the three games, whereas everybody else played two. This is an easy Dodgers pick for me. The path is is there, but it seems the least likely of any of these three series is to be an upset. I've got Dodgers three games. It, they'll, they'll break down the the Padres. They they tend to do that every year anyway. So the there's the path that you mentioned for San Diego. The path is survive game one, try and find a way, and then rely on your three people in Darvish, Snell, and Musgrove through the next three. And the all of those guys have dominated the the Dodgers this year. I mean, Darvish, Snell, Musgrove. I think Snell had one of his blow up games against the Dodgers, but in his career, he's been very, very good against them. Uh, Musgrove. We just saw he was absolutely elite and he's, he's proven that against the Dodgers this year. The Dodgers need to make sure that Mookie Betts, Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman are locked in and, and back to their potential because the last three weeks of the season, really they weren't hitting. Those three guys really kind of went into a slump, especially Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman, or, or Trey Turner and, and Mookie Betts. Sorry, Freeman was was pretty consistent there, um, but we we they need to they need to make sure those guys are locked in. You've seen Justin Turner, Max Muncy really rejuvenate themselves in the back half of the season. Over those last three weeks, Cody Bellinger really started to improve as well. He had a lot better at bats. He was driving the ball well. He plays. You know he plays really good defense in the outfield. the The meta for the Philly or for the for the Padres here is going to be survive game one, figure out a way. The Dodgers have faced Clevenger three times this year. He's given up four runs, four runs, and five runs in three games. So they need to 
you know, they need to find a way to, to survive with Clevenger. If it's one time through the lineup and then go to the bullpen, that's what they're going to have to do. You're going to have to score off Julio Urias, who was the National League ERA leader this year. Um, at home, he's even more untouchable. It's going to come down to which Juan Soto are you getting, which Josh Bell are you getting, because those two are going to be the key people there. We know Manny Machado will have an impact. We've seen Trent Grisham have good at-bats against those guys. We've seen uh, Hassan Kim play really good against Kershaw and Urias. He's better against lefties. You need Bell and Soto to really come up big in this series if the Padres want the chance to win. And but I just still, I mean, I know this is the Dodger fan in me. I just think the Dodgers are too deep. I mean, even the questions in the rotation behind Kershaw and Urias, you're going to go to Gonsolin or Anderson or maybe Dustin May with some piggyback with Andrew Heaney in there. But really for that, it's going to be one time, maybe a start of a second time through the lineup. And then you're going to go to that bullpen, which everyone in that bullpen has been lights out this year. I mean, you're supposed to be getting Blake Trinan back now. You're going to have Evan Phillips, who's been one of the best relievers in baseball. Bruce Dark Gratterall's come back and looked amazing. You, they, the, the bullpen is really, really deep here. I think much deeper than the San Diego bullpen. So it's going to come down to can San Diego survive the first game and then get deep pitching performances from their other three guys and shut down this deep Dodgers offense. And then on the Padres offensive side, they need to see Juan Soto step up and be the Juan Soto that everyone knows. And they need the Josh Bell from the first half with the uh, with the Washington Nationals. Because um, if they don't have those guys, if they have the Soto who struggled, if they have the Snell who blows up games, they have the Josh Bell who hit 236 uh, with the Padres through, the, through his time there, they're not going to be able to succeed against this Dodgers team because they're just way too deep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely with you. Yep. So I guess it's obvious there. My, my predictions of the Dodgers over the Padres uh, in that one. But you know, that, that'll wrap it up for our division series predictions. So, David, you went with Atlanta, Houston, Yankees, and L.A. Matt, you went with Atlanta, Houston, Yankees, and L.A. Matt and David with the exact same predictions uh, yeah, there. Um, if I don't know if you saw David's predictions from the first uh, round, Matt. I'm not sure that's the best thing you want to do there. Uh, but then <laughs> I went with Atlanta, Seattle, Cleveland, uh, and L.A. as well uh, on that one. But before we wrap it up, I know we've gone really long here, but you know, on this episode, it's kind of a milestone episode. We'll keep it a little short, but uh, I just wanted to mention that this episode is episode 100 in the Batflip podcast, I guess, history, uh, if you want to say. Uh, it's a cool milestone, something that when I was first talk- talking to this with David and Matt, uh, I never thought I'd get to this, this point, um, you know, it's gone a lot longer than I've expected. It's got a lot better than I expected it would ever be. Um, and it's just a big milestone, at least from, from my eyes. And I think everyone that is supports us. Um, and I just, I just can't say enough about it. Here's to another hundred or, or how many ever episodes we're going to get to. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Um, you know, just, I can't believe I, I had no idea that, it, that we had been up to a hundred, but you know, you think about it and, I mean, we started in 2020 right before the pandemic shortened season started. So we've just completed our third season of baseball, uh, right? Or at least regular season baseball uh, um, doing this, which is kind of crazy. I, I hadn't even realized like 
time flies, man. I had not realized that it had been that we'd been doing this that long. So uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm happy to do it. I, I enjoy talking baseball, and uh, you know, I think I enjoy enjoy talking baseball, especially with with, with y'all. And um, so it's, it's a lot of fun to do, and I, it's it's uh, appreciate everybody out there for for the support. So. And I know I'm new and I haven't been a part of all 100 episodes, but I, I am really proud of you guys and I've already listened to you a number of times and you know, obviously that's what kind of drew me to wanting to participate as much as I can and I appreciate being able to. Absolutely. Well, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up this show, uh, get some, uh, some Division Series baseball. going to start tomorrow with four games. Uh, then I think we have two more on Wednesday and then through the weekend we'll have a bunch of games there. Um, some of them could be wrapped up again. I mean, games four and five are on Sunday, so it's going to, uh, it's going to be exciting. We should have a lot of the outcomes actually by, by the time we talk to you guys next week, or actually we should have all of the outcomes by the time we talk to you guys next week. Uh, so look for exciting times of the division series and, uh, enjoy the postseason baseball because it's going to be fun and electric. So thank you guys for tuning into this episode and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks.